Hello, hello, everyone. I'm your host, Aaron White, and welcome to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free. Sometimes some other fun stuff, but for this episode, I'm here to review three new releases, two that will be coming to theaters, and one that has just been released on home video and on digital. We'll start there. That first film is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris from Universal Pictures. It stars Leslie Manville, Isabel Huppert, Lambert Wilson, Alba Baptista, Lucas Bravo, Ellen Thomas, Rose Williams, and Jason Isaacs. It is directed by Anthony Fabian, and it is co-written by Fabian Carol Cartwright, Keith Thompson, and Olivia Hetried. It is the third film adaptation of uh, the 1958 novel Mrs. Eris Goes to Paris by Paul Gallico. What's it about? A widowed cleaning lady in 1950s London falls madly in love with a couture Dior dress and decides that she must have one of her own. I really wanted to catch this film in theaters, but it just didn't work out for me, and it was the kind of movie that I was pretty sure would work just as well at home. That is definitely the case. This is not a very cinematic picture. It looks nice, and it has very good color, but it's not about the images on screen being especially suited to a large theater viewing the sound. None of these elements are the kind of things that I particularly would personally go to a theater for. It is a very delightful movie. It's almost sickly sweet at times, to be honest. What we get is this character, Mrs. Ada Harris, who is going through life. As I mentioned, she's recently widowed. Her husband died in the war. And while she's cleaning house for one of these families that she supports, she finds this beautiful Christian Dior dress, and she just falls massively in love with it. She begins fantasizing about what it would be like to own her own. She then finds out the price tag and realizes, wow, that is completely out of reach. But this is a determined woman. She ends up getting a pension from her husband's death, and so she takes some rather ridiculously dangerous gambles in order to try and turn what money she has into more money so that she could find her way to Paris in order to buy this dress. From that point, the movie turns into a little bit of what I would probably call a fantasy. She does end up making her way to Paris. Some things happen very conveniently that allow her to do so. And once she gets there, she has some interactions with folks that kind of get her in the door, whereas maybe she normally wouldn't. She starts to disrupt the flow of what is happening at the Dior uh, location at the a factory, I guess. I don't think it's really a factory, but they literally make the dresses there in the same place that she goes to see a show and she falls in love with another dress. So she has the opportunity to buy one. And then the movie is really just about her experiencing Paris having these interactions with various people. She's befriended by a man named Andre, who is the Dior accountant, and a woman named Natasha, that's who's played by Isabel Huppert, a Dior model. And 
then she has an antagonistic relationship with a woman named Claudine, who is the Dior director. And she just doesn't think that Ada fits in this exclusive world of what's called haute couture. And I, I may be pronouncing that wrong. Ada is such a wonderful person. And I think one of the best parts about this movie is Manville's performance. It would be really interesting to pair this with Phantom Thread, which is another movie about a dressmaker in which Manville really had her breakout performance. But here, as this widowed dreamer, she is just independent, fiercely determined, optimistic. She's selfless on multiple occasions. And she's really inspirational. And I think that that is the fuel that makes this lovely little tale go. It shows a really idealistic world where kindness begets kindness and where being true to yourself and ultimately following your dreams will offer you the most happiness in life and you will be able to get what you want, essentially. It's not about the getting of the thing. It's about being content with not getting it. But then this is one of my issues with the movie is that really everything in the film that happens ends up in a positive way. I think unless you are a very hardened cynic, though, it would be difficult to have anything other than an enjoyable, pleasant experience with this. If you really can't get past the seemingly easy victories over any obstacles that happens throughout the tale, then maybe it's not going to be for you. I also think that the length of this film is a bit of a drag. It's nearly two hours long. And because it is just so sweet, so simple, and has this very airy tone, it made it a little bit hard for me to stay engaged, honestly, because there was just not a lot going on. There's not a ton of conflict. It's really just Ada being a wonderful person. She's becomes a defender of the staff at one point and how how they're being treated by their employer. She fights the establishment and the way that Dior has always had this exclusivity about them. She kind of plays matchmaker. She gets to visit a cabaret and have fancy dinners. It's really just about experiencing Paris in this character's shoes. And because of her, it's a joy. But I did find myself being fully ready for this to end when that time came. Now, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris is available now on digital and Blu-ray and DVD. There are exclusive bonus features for all of those. They are kind of weak, to be honest. There are, I think, three deleted and, and or extended scenes. Not exactly blowing the walls off here with content. And then there's a gag reel, which personally, I've never enjoyed. There's some kind of fun jokes and bloopers in there for sure. But I would have loved anything more, maybe a feature on Dior and the history of Dior or something specific about the kind of dresses that are at the center of this entire event that is driving Mrs. Harris, this this tangible thing that she has put value on. See, that's where I can't relate with the film is that I just don't understand. I can see how the the filmmaker is showing us in a very good way the importance of the dress and how it makes someone feel confident and what it does to a person like Mrs. Harris. But I have a hard time like putting myself in there 
and realizing what that might be for me. All of this being said, I do recommend it. I think it's totally worth watching at home. It's a good rental kind of movie. I think that you'll be doing well to see it that way versus rushing out to see it in a theater. And I think that it will leave you feeling happy. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's the way it left me feeling, and I appreciated it. The next film is See How They Run from Searchlight Pictures. It stars Sam Rockwell, Sorcerer Ronan, Adrian Brody, Ruth Wilson, Reese Shearsmith, Harris Dickinson, and David Oyelo. It is directed by Tom George and written by Mark Chappell. What's it about? An American film producer visits London in the 1950s to adapt a play, but things go off the rails when crew members are murdered. This is one of the most self-aware murder mystery films I have ever seen. The play that it is based on, the play that is happening in London, that is being adapted by Adrian Brody's character. His name is Leo. He is a playboy, blacklisted Hollywood director who has been brought to London and hired to adapt this smash hit, longest running show of any kind in history. That's a real, honest to God record. The play is called The Mousetrap, and it is by Agatha Christie. He is bringing it in the film version to screen. And so you can see where there's some meta nature of this already forming. It very quickly becomes apparent that the formula for this is going to be one that is built off of being intentionally referential and fully aware of the tropes of a typical Agatha Christie murder mystery. They tell you as much in the narration leading up to the initial murder that, of course, is a surprise and I can't tell you about. After that point, we set forth on our investigation which is done by Inspector Stoppard, played by Sam Rockwell, and an eager rookie named Constable Stalker, played by Saoirse Ronan. They show up in the theater. They end up trying to interview people. And it is very much an Agatha Christie-esque setup. You get all of these different people that were involved in the play's production. And we work our way through figuring out who has motives making assumptions, trying not to jump to conclusions, etc. It is a complicated and made a little bit hilarious at times by the fact that the play itself was a murder mystery. And so that's kind of worked into the script in really clever ways. The dialogue is very witty. I enjoyed that quite a bit. And the performances elevate this, I believe, maybe above the material because you have such great actors in this. Rockwell's detective, I mean, again, he it's very tropey. So he's depressed, he's a drunkard, but he's a talented detective. And so they lean into that and play with that trope a little bit, but not in a way that completely subverts it, I don't think. Ronan's performance probably the best in the movie. She's someone that's easy to gravitate to. She reminds me of her role in the Grand Budapest Hotel, honestly. And in fact, for the opening, I don't know, section of this movie, the color palette of the film actually looks a lot like the Grand Budapest Hotel as well. The movie has some style to it. During some of the investigations, what we end up seeing is these flashback sequences, and the film will break into different like 
boxes on the screen showing events happening at the same time in different perspectives. And we will get to visualize an event that has happened in the past, or at least has happened in a way that the character is currently telling us that it happened. Now, of course, whether or not that's the truth or not is one of those things that will always be up in the air until everything is finally revealed in a nice big monologue and flashback montage because that's what these movies do. Again, it leans into all of the ideas that you would expect a movie like this to have. It just goes a little extra meta by being about a play that is a similar situation to the same thing. There is an element of this that is definitely commenting on the art and truth intersection within the realm of movies and the stage and such. And I thought that it does a really good job of that once it finally that theme can emerge and you understand how it's doing that. You just don't get that for quite a while. You really don't understand it until the end. I didn't figure out the end. That is one huge positive to this movie. I had several different suspicions and none of them were correct. I was caught completely off guard. So I enjoyed that I got to have a big surprise and I thought that it was a very interesting reason for the murder to occur. And again, leans into that idea of art and truth and was impactful. It left me with something that was important to think about. And that was kind of on top of just the fun of going through this 90-minute, breezy, quick experience of trying to figure out who was lying and who was doing what and whose secrets may or may not have led to a murder because, of course, everyone has their own issues. That's what makes it interesting. The movie will be available in the United Kingdom in theaters on September 9th and in the U.S. in theaters on September the 16th, and I recommend it. I think that it would be a fun watch. Again, it's really the kind of movie that I would go see in a matinee. You know, you pay less for a ticket, you jump in there at one or two or three o'clock, you're out an hour and a half later, you had a good time. It's nothing that is supremely memorable. It's not a movie that I feel is going to be very rewatchable, but it is a nice solid entry into a genre that many of us just by nature enjoy. And it understands that and allows you to just get to experience some talented people riffing on that whole premise. It's a good time. Lastly, we have Barbarian from 20th Century Studios. This will always feel weird to say without adding the fox in there, but hey, it's gone. It stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long, Matthew Patrick Davis, Richard Brake, James Butler, and Kurt Braunohler. It is written and directed by Zach Kreger. What's it about? Traveling to Detroit for a job interview, a young woman books a rental home. But when she arrives late at night, she discovers that the house is double booked and a strange man is already staying there. Against her better judgment, she decides to spend the evening, but soon discovers that there's a lot more to fear than just an unexpected house guest. This is going to be a difficult film to talk about, so I apologize that this review may be fairly short and a little bit on the vague side. 
That is by design. And if you've not already seen a trailer for this, I would say you might as well just steer clear of that. I believe the trailer is not showing you much more than what I just read in the synopsis. Again, completely by design. First of all, I appreciate that. I love that the filmmaker and the crew and the studio are all getting behind this and embracing the idea of people having an experience all to themselves. It makes it difficult for people who are reviewing the film to tell you what it's about. All we can really do is explain our reaction to it. So it works for me because that's typically what I do. But that there are some messages in this movie that I think would be interesting to break down the effectiveness of them. And it's almost impossible to do that without leaning you into some sort of predisposed thinking that I don't want you to have because I want you to be able to go see this as clean of a slate as possible just like I did and watch where it goes versus be waiting for XYZ to appear as a theme or as a twist. I absolutely loved everything about the first half of the movie, which is largely a pretty much what I just read in the synopsis. The plot setup of Georgina Campbell arriving at this home and it being double booked with Bill Skarsgård's character and their whole interaction between the two of them, learning who each other is, getting to the point where they would even consider spending the night together in the same home as strangers and then leading on further and further until it begins to take a turn, I thought was incredibly well-made. The aesthetic, the camera work, the suspense, the dialogue, the performances of the two of them, the sound design, everything. Honest to God, just immaculate. I was all the way in and completely in love. I thought it was perfect. Then we go a little bit of a different direction. We do that a few times, <laughs> in fact, and it becomes much funnier at times. It becomes much gorier at times. There's definitely, there's not a lot of gore, but there are a few extremely sudden violent moments that elicited quite a few squeamish groans <laughs> at times from theater goers. And it becomes much more, in my opinion, ridiculous. I never wasn't entertained, but I really didn't care for the less realistic direction that the film takes with its horror leanings. And the social commentary of the story that I was talking about, the messages, I just didn't get out of them what I think maybe it wanted me to. I understood for the most part what they were about, but I just didn't think that the execution was nearly as crisp as those first 45 minutes or so. It's still a completely wild ride from start to finish, though. It is a unique experience. Many people are going to relate this to the way they felt when they watched Malignant from last year, and I would have to agree. It's got that same sort of like, huh, factor to it when it takes a little bit of a turn and it's got a very similar tonal structure there will be lots of yelling at the screen there will be lots of yelps and laughs and i think that seeing this with a completely full theater and crowd that will be the ideal experience 
it'll be an absolute blast. You will have so much fun. It will elevate the movie for you simply because of that communal gathering and going through the surprise factor of it together. I don't think that it is nearly as shocking as some of the reviews that I've been reading. Some of the tweets that I've seen and initial reactions to this film talk about how completely, utterly bonkers it is. I think that that's a stretch. I've seen plenty of horror movies that are a lot crazier than this. So I don't know what it is that makes people think that this is like the most wild thing ever, but it does surprise you. And it does have some really intriguingly weird elements to its plot. Again, I'm sorry. It's hard to say much about this movie. You will go home, and if you have a basement, you should probably not expect to be going down there anytime soon because you'll start wondering just how deep it may actually go. This film will be available in theaters on September the 9th, and I am definitely recommending it. I think that that's going to be the best way to see it. I don't think it's going to be very rewatchable, honestly. I certainly don't have the desire to. I might rewatch the first 45 minutes, though. I really am telling you, like, you take that first 45 minutes and you play that through in a very serious manner. And I, I would have been all in on that. Bill Skarsgård, in particular, is outstanding. I think part of that is because we know him from playing it. And so he's so charismatic here, but you have that in the back of your head. And I think you just kind of automatically question that charisma, which is what the story's going for. So it plays in its favor. And again, Georgina Campbell is just outstanding, especially in, and she's, she's great throughout the whole movie, but she's really, really good playing off of him and with him in those first 45 minutes. Go see it. Definitely go see it. Don't read anything in detail about it. Anybody that's telling you more than I am is doing you a disservice. So get out there, check it out. Opening weekend as quick as you can with a big, large group of people and have a good time. That's what movies are there for. And I, and I really do think that this does a good job of that. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you as always for listening. If you have enjoyed Please find me on social media. Let me know what you think about the movies when you do see them. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron L. White. That's A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. -E. You can find me on Facebook or in our Facebook discussion group. There are links to everything in the show notes of each and every episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would love for you to give us a review on your listening app of choice, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it may be. Any kind words, any five-star reviews are very helpful and much appreciated. Also, if you weren't aware, we have launched a side series covering The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power weekly. That is myself and Aaron Hundley. We'll be doing those shows and have those episodes out by Sunday and or Monday morning of the week after the episode airs on Friday. And we will be doing that for the next couple of months all the way through the end of the first season. Our first one is out now, and it's also up on our brand new YouTube channel. So find Feel and Film there, give it a like, smash that subscribe button, and you can see us talking about Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. And if you like that kind of content, let us know, and maybe we will expand the video option to some of our other work that we do as well. Again, thank you so much for being here. As always, I appreciate it. 
I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filled.